Welcome to another edition of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Happy to be here, even though the Cup Series is off this week. Doesn't mean we don't have anything to talk about. We've got some good topics this week. We're going to talk about the championship odds, the future bets that are out there right now. And we're going to use some analytics to try to figure out who to bet on to make the championship for and also who to pick to win. And then... I'm going to save NASCAR. I've, I've got a, a, something to get off my chest here. A lot of talk. The, the Matt Benedetto thing has really sparked a lot of conversation about funding in NASCAR and, and how to move forward with the sport in general. And I've got a, a general concept that I think can save the sport. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit. And we all know that in the absence of the Cup Series, we do have Xfinity and trucks running this weekend. So uh, we'll try to touch on at least the trucks. I have a couple thoughts on them at the end of the podcast. But like we said, we're going to start off this week's episode talking about the championship futures that are available right now on the sports books. And when you go check those out, you're going to see that you have an option to choose money line to win the championship for every driver. And also the ability, at least the, the sites that I've been seeing, you have the ability to choose whether the driver money line could make the top four. So basically make the championship race. And uh, no surprise, Kyle Bush is at the top of this list. He's plus 350 to win the championship. That is, I mean, that's Vegas basically saying that they think Kyle Bush will be hoisting the trophy at the end of the year. He's minus money, minus 118 to make the championship race. So that really doesn't seem like great value to me. Um, then, I mean, if we're just looking at like the top 10 drivers right now, the 10th place driver is Alex Bowman, and he's plus 2,500 to win the championship. But to make the race, he's plus 600, which is kind of surprising to me that He's plus 600 because I would have thought for somebody like that to make the championship race, I would have had, you know, a larger number there. But what that's telling me is they really don't know who can make that race. It's really up for grabs in the eyes of the sports book from what I'm seeing into this. The spectrum to win the championship is very large. As I said, plus 350 for Bush to as the favorite and then to the 10th place driver uh, in the standings plus 2,500. That's a pretty big spectrum. But the, the odds to make the race, minus 118 to plus 600, that's not a big gap. So um, basically, anybody, according to the books, could make the dance at the end of the year. But I'm trying to outsmart then. I'm trying to look a little into the stats here, trying to find an edge any way I can get it. Now, typically, I'm not the type of person who likes to bet on futures. It doesn't matter what sport it is, whether it's NASCAR or, you know, football, because, you know, that's prevalent right now. I don't like having, unless I'm going to be going to the casino with cash, paying for a bet, and then getting the, the paper slip to bring home with me. You know, you could go home, put that under your pillow until the end of the season, um, and just really hope that you hit big. 
that's okay. But I don't like having an open bet on my account for months on end. I, I know that sounds crazy. It's just something, you know, mentally for me, I can't get over having it sit there like that. So um, typically I, I avoid these. And in NASCAR, at the beginning of the year, it seems absurd to me to put money on a driver to win the championship just because of how things change in this sport throughout the season. It's really so tough to tell, like before the Daytona 500, to put money on a driver to win the championship doesn't make sense. Now, if you're doing it just because, hey, every year you'd like to throw money on your driver to win the championship, sure, that that's fun. That's just like a, a fan bet. But if you're trying to be smart about it, you would want to really hold off because the NASCAR odds to win the championship really do have recency bias. It seems like whenever a driver wins a race, they really skyrocket to the front of the list of favorites to win the championship. And then a couple weeks go by and they, they slip back down. Chase Elliott right now is a good example of that. When he won at Watkins Glen, he was second in line as far as the money line to win the championship. And now he has slid back down to about sixth or seventh on the list. So that's what we're working with here. And what I'm trying to do right now is look and see if there's any trend that we could try to take advantage of from years past. So this format for the playoffs has existed for five years now. I feel like that is a pretty good sample size to try to see what we can find out by looking at the past. And luckily on the the NASCAR Reddit site, there's a user who goes by the name of X-File345. This guy does God's work for someone who's really into the statistical side of NASCAR. He posts the full scoreboard with all sorts of statistics after every single race. So, you know, I see this every week, and, and he really doesn't get enough credit for what he does. So I knew that this existed, and what I wanted to do, we've got two races left until the playoffs, and then all bets are off. We have the 10-race playoff with the final race being for all the marbles at the end of the year. So what I wanted to do was go back and find all of the charts that he had posted the last five years with two races to go in the regular season. And I wanted to see if there were any correlation between where the drivers stood in the standings with those two races left and the drivers who made the final four. Then, of course, After doing that, trying to figure out if there was any correlation, if there was any trend, trying to apply that to this year's standings of where we're at right now, kind of like a blind resume test, and pretty much do a lot of jumping to conclusions. Uh, If we find something, just go with it, and then see what the final four is that we come up with, and then try to pick a, a champion and look and see what those odds are at that point. So... You may have to bear with me here because I am going to be getting into the you know the numbers here. I'm going to try to explain this as clearly as possible because we did come up with some things that we can go off of. And the first thing that I want to do is just eliminate anything that stands out to me. If we can get rid of drivers in the top 10, then let's do that, right? So looking at the history, the people who were in the eighth spot, and the 10th spot in the standings have never made the championship four. All right, so I'm just going to make the assumption, you know, go off of that trend and apply it to this year. That means we're going to have to say goodbye to Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman because they are both 8 and 10, respectively, 
this year in the current standings as we stand right now in this off week. So that helps us whittle down the lists a little bit. And before we move forward, we just have to mention that the beginning of this playoff format had a couple wonky years. Um, in 2014, we had somebody who was actually sitting in the 20th, 20th spot, excuse me, that was Denny Hamlin. He made the championship for that year. And then in 2015, I mean, that was the miracle year for Kyle Busch. He actually was 29th in the standings. He was injured for the first 12 weeks of that season, missed 12 races, ended up winning the championship that year. Uh, Jeff Gordon actually made the championship for, and he was sitting in the 13th spot. But the reason I call those years wonky, and we do have to consider this, is after that, they implemented a, a rule, I think the last couple years, where the playoff points changed a bit. The champion of the regular season got some extra playoff points. So that structure changed a little bit, and I think it lends itself to, to calling those years almost outliers, but um, we're not going to call them outliers. It's just need to be aware of it. Just kind of knowing that it existed as we're making conscious decisions moving forward. And then I think it's worth calling out some trends that we saw early on in looking at these statistics. So one thing that we saw right away was that in the last five years, since this knockout playoff format has unfolded, we have never had a driver win twice in that format. So what that's telling me is, if we're just going to blindly go off of these trends, we're not going to have a driver. We're not going to. I'm not going to bet money on a driver who has won in this knockout format in the past. So if you've won in the last five years, I'm probably not going to take you to win the championship just based on that statistic alone. Another trend that's worth mentioning is that when we're looking at the standings of the drivers with two races to go, we've never had a champion come from the same position twice. So what I mean by that is we've had a champion who was in first place with two races to go. We've had a champion from sixth place, seventh place, ninth place, and as we called out earlier, Kyle Busch from 29th place. So what I'm trying to say there is, just like before, if we're going to go off of that trend, we're going to choose somebody who is not in one of those places in the standings today. Then finally, a third trend that we saw in looking at this, which I'm not sure what to make of this, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's worth trying to think too hard about this one, but we've not had a championship for with more than two drivers from the same organization. So what I'm getting at there is, if you're looking at the money line odds, obviously Joe Gibbs has a lot of drivers up there. Uh, it would be against your interest to put three Gibbs drivers or three any company drivers um, up there because we've never had more than two. So with all that being said, we've, we've laid all that stuff out there. Now let's start making some picks, right? So something that jumped off the page at me was the fact if we're, now we're just talking about trying to make the dance, trying to make the championship four. All right, let's try to find four drivers who are going to make the championship four, and we'll put money in on, on those bets. And something that was surprising to me, four out of the five years of this playoff format, there was one position in the standings with two races left 
that made the championship four. And your mind immediately goes to, well, obviously, like, number one, no. It's the sixth position. The sixth position, the driver who has been sixth in the standings with two races left, has made the championship four, four out of the five years we've done this. So now, if we're doing that, you know, kind of blind resume deal, let's apply that to current day standings. And who are we picking to make the championship four? That would be Brad Kozlowski. So then you go and you look at his odds, and I mean, he's not you know, an obvious pick. He's the fifth option down and he's plus 215 to make the championship four. I like that. I'm throwing my money on Brad Kozlowski to make the dance. He's also, just for the record, he's plus 850 to win the championship. We'll just, you know, mark those as we go here. So the sixth position, if we're going by the stats, very strange to me, but four out of five years, they make it. Then there's another one who kind of jumps off the page at you This position, the driver in this position, has made it three out of the five years, and that is the number one position, including the last two years in a row. So in that case, it's Kyle Busch, and and that's what you know the sports books all have as the favorite. It plays with our trends. It seems like a a risky pick. We we called that out earlier because he's minus money, minus one eighteen to make the the championship four, but. Um, if we're going by the stats, I'm, I'm going to have to throw my money on him. Uh, and plus the fact that he's just a dominant driver, he's phenomenal right now. It's the prime of his career. So it would make sense that he makes the, the championship four again. So if we're going Kyle and Brad as two picks out of the four, now you got to try to whittle down the rest of the field, and it does get a little tough. So I think at this point now we have to go back to the bottom because there are two slots that have only made the championship for once. And this is where it gets kind of tough because the fifth seed in the playoffs with two races to go has only made the final four once. And the seventh spot in the standings has only made it once. And these are two big names. So it's really going to be tough for me to throw these guys out. It's Kevin Harvick, who's sitting fifth right now. He actually lost two spots this last race at Bristol to put him into this fifth seed. And Chase Elliott, who I would have said this is his year to get to the championship, and then once you're there, anything can happen. So I'm going to have to keep going here, but it, it pains me to throw these two out so quickly uh, but we're, we're going off of the stats. Those spots in the standings have only made it one time, and neither have made it in the last two years. So very uh, telling stat, I would say. So now if you're doing the math in your head, we've got four drivers or four positions in the standings that are left, and they've all made it two out of the, the five years. So now at this point, it's about trying to figure out tiebreakers for this thing on the fly. So I'd like to just first start by saying, okay, well, we've got four spots. It's the the two, the three, the four, and the nine position in the standings with two races to go have all made it twice. My first question for a tiebreaker would be, all right, well, since we've, since NASCAR has changed the game a little bit with playoff points and stage racing who has made it in the last couple years or better question who hasn't and the ninth seed 
has not made it in the past two years. Three years ago, that person won the championship. But in the last two years, since the, the new format, you know, point structure kind of came into play, they have not made it. And if we look at who that is right now, it's another one that may, may not be someone that you think of when you're thinking of the championship, but it's good value. It's Ryan Blaney. We've talked about him on podcast uh, twice in a row now. And just because it seems like he's such a good value bet week to week, and to win the championship, he's plus 2,500, just like Bowman we talked about earlier, and to make the Final Four, he's plus 600. But we also mentioned a trend, and that was, has there been someone who has won the championship from that slot? And there has. So it makes the nine seed to throw out a little bit easier because we probably weren't going to pick that person to win anyway. So we'll throw Blaney out as well. Now, going off that same tiebreaker, you're asking yourself, has anybody made it the last couple years? The two seed has done that. Both 2018 and 17, the person sitting in the second spot, has made the championship four. So if we look at who that is this year, that would be our defending champion, Joey Logano. And the thing with Logano is he's the defending champion. It almost feels like he doesn't get much respect in terms of the books because he's the defending champion. But yet, he's plus 850 to win the whole thing again, and he's plus 215, just like the same as his teammate Brad Kozlowski, who we mentioned earlier, plus 215 to make the championship four. So, value pick there. I mean, not only is it a value pick, but looking at the stats, it seems like it may work. So, he's going to be our third pick from this podcast. So, for the final spot in our championship four picks, we're looking at the people who are sitting in the third position in standings and the fourth. Both of those spots have made the playoffs, sorry, the championship four, two out of five years. They've both, in the last two years, made it once and missed it once. So then I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll go to the current drivers and see what are the current playoff points for those guys. And that's where it gets even weirder. So these people are Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin in the third spot right now, and Truex in the fourth. They both have the exact amount of playoff points earned, which is at 23 right now. So, you know, you're trying all different ways to try to pick someone. So I'm really just going to default to say, okay, well, which one made it last year? And that was the three spot, and that would give the nod to Denny Hamlin. So if we're looking at the odds for Hamlin, I mentioned how NASCAR sports books have kind of a recency bias. He shot up the list of favorites on the, the sports book that I have, and he's sitting at plus 600 to win the title and plus 150 to make the championship for. I would say if we're going to bet on Denny Hamlin, I don't know. Part of me says, okay, let me sit back a little bit and let the same thing that happened to Chase happen to Denny, where he kind of slips back further down because you might be able to get him for a better number later down the road. But he does have some tracks coming up. Darlington is one of them where he's pretty good. So he might even go higher or sorry, lower uh, on the money line. So, hey, maybe strike right now before anything changes, um, just in case it goes the other way. So Denny is going to round out our picks. So it's going to be Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, 
Denny Hamlin, and Joey Logano would be the four drivers based on what we're seeing from the statistics the last five years with this playoff format. The thing about it is we we mentioned the trend where there hasn't been uh, more than three players, three drivers from one team that were were good right there. We have two and two, Gibbs and Penske, um, and arguably the, the two teams that have been the most dominant so far this year. So things are starting to make sense. I feel comfortable with these four guys. So now it's time to find who you're going to choose for a champion, all right, from this point right now. And I mentioned the thing about how there's been nobody who has ever won twice in this knockout format, and there's been nobody who has won from the same position in standings in the past. So what that does is knocks out Kyle Busch because he's won a championship and somebody has won from the first seed in the standings with two races left. So Kyle's out. Joey Logano, he won last year. He's the defending champion. Back-to-back in this format, I mean, Jimmy Johnson had a bunch of back-to-backs a while ago, but it just seems really tough to do it, so we're going to eliminate Joey. That brings us to Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski. We've had someone who has won from the sixth seed in the standings with two races to go. It actually happened last year with Joey Logano, and that's where Brad's sitting in the standings right now. So if we're going by these stats, we're going to eliminate Brad, and that's going to give us Denny Hamlin. He has never won before. And nobody has ever won out of the three spot in the standings with two races to go. So Denny Hamlin is the pick right now, according to the stats, at plus 600 to win the championship this year in NASCAR. I like it. I I think Denny is strong, and I think it it could really work out for you. So that's the pick right now. So now we're going to switch gears, and we're going to stray away from the actual bets that you know, there, there's not really any bets this weekend to place. So we're going to spend some time talking about how we could save NASCAR. The reason that this topic comes up is because there's been a lot of talk this past week about what happened at Bristol and before with Matt DiBettadetto. So for anyone who's not familiar, Matt DiBettadetto is, oh, he's a driver who has always been in lower level equipment in his career but he's always proven to be someone who's very competent. He's a good driver. And this year he's racing on the 95 team, Bob Levine Racing. And that's a race team who has been funded pretty much only by Bob Levine's pockets. He's a millionaire and he's able to pump money into the team. And he's been trying his damnedest to, to make this little team kind of a little engine that could sort of deal. And there's a bunch of teams out there right now in NASCAR. The problem is that sponsorship is coming so hard to come by nowadays. And Bob Levine was approached with an opportunity. So there's a young kid named Christopher Bell, who is under contract with Toyota and also the Joe Gibbs camp. The 95 and Bob Levine's team happens to be a satellite team for Joe Gibbs, which means they share notes and they you know, share uh, parts and just work together pretty much. They have a working agreement with each other. So they all approached Bob Levine and said, hey, we're going to give you X amount of money 
we're going to give you way better equipment. We're going to give you a bunch of sponsorship opportunities. If you kick DiBenedetto out of the car and you put in Christopher Bell. And if you're Bob Levine, you have to make that move because sponsorship is everything right now. And it doesn't matter that you have a guy who's in the car who's doing well. It's all about the money. And that's what sucks. And that's what's led me to this conversation here today. And it's not that we have anything against Christopher Bell. It's not that we have anything against Bob Levine. Nothing against Gibbs. Everybody is doing, there's no, I mean, I've been listening to it on the radio all week. And nobody is in the wrong here. It's just you have a guy who's a good driver is getting screwed because sponsorship is running the show. And it never used to be like that. It used to be, okay, Phil Eastman's team is going to sign the best driver they can. And then it's on the team to go out and find a sponsor. You know, you get your marketing people on that. But in this day and age, it's if you're a driver, you better be coming to the negotiating table with a sponsor on board already if you want to drive for me. And that's not right because that's preventing some of the best drivers to really shine through. DiBenedetto is a victim of this. Now, I'm sure he'll land on his feet. Most people are saying that he will. But that's, you know, beyond the point. The question has been coming up. I've been listening to Dave Moody all week and people like Daniel Trotta on the radio and Sirius XM just talking about, you know, how do you fix this? You can't just magically make things cheaper. You can't just magically make billionaires appear out of thin air who billionaires who happen to have a love of stock car racing that just want to pump tons of money into a team and and fund it forever with uh, endless bank accounts. That's obviously not going to work. So when I'm thinking about this, driving to work, listening to these people, you know, go on and on and on about it, the answer is right under my nose. The answer for NASCAR right now is sports betting. Now, I'm going to lay out a a plan here, an idea, really just a a formalized concept with bullet points and everything. But before I do that, I need to just preface this by saying I know that this is going to have a lot of red tape and a lot of legal issues that would need to be massaged, but this is America, and I feel like that that kind of stuff happens every day. And I would imagine that if there's a will, there's a way. So we're kind of, you know, suspending uh, disbelief for a second when it comes to that stuff. And just let's lay it all out there and then worry about that after the fact. So I want to start with a couple points, because if you're skeptical of this and you you hear the, the term sports betting or gambling on sports, some people may just roll their eyes when they hear that. So I present to you, Your Honor, Exhibit A, the state of New Jersey, okay? Sports betting has been legalized in, at a federal level, and New Jersey was one of the first states to really jump on this, um, legalizing sports betting in their casinos and also online sports betting, which is a major deal. So I wanted to look and see like what the numbers looked like at this point in time, and the first question I had was, are people actually doing this? Like, is there a market for it? You would imagine that there is because of everything that you see online. You have DraftKings and FanDuel and others battling in New Jersey, at least when they first rolled it out, and they've really had a stranglehold on the state. But are people actually 
into this is the first question. And I found, according to the state of New Jersey, in the month of January alone, there were $400 million worth of wagers placed in the state of New Jersey. That is unbelievable. Now, you do have to take into consideration it's right around the Super Bowl, football playoffs. I get it. But $400 million of wagers in one month? I think that answers the first question. People are into this, okay? So then that doesn't mean really anything for the state economy. I mean, that's just telling you, okay, people are trying to play. Then I was able to find out that what the New Jersey online gambling revenue was through this year, July of this year, 2019, the number was $103 million in revenue for New Jersey. That's a staggering number. It's more than I thought I was going to see when I was actually kind of going down that path. So the point there that I'm trying to make is not only do people want to bet on sports, there's money to be made. New Jersey is cleaning up right now. Other states are going to get behind this, and NASCAR has the ability to harness this and use it for their own benefit. So now, if we're back in this courtroom, the, the judge may be saying, well, Phil, that's all sports. You know, There's no case for NASCAR or one sport being able to bring in that type of money. It's that point in time that I'll bring in Exhibit B, horse racing. Horse racing is a staple in America, and I feel like NASCAR can kind of take the blueprint that they have and utilize it to their benefit. And when I say blueprint, I mean every racetrack has the ability to bet on the races that are at their track, so you can go up, get, your, get some uh, ink under your fingernails, put some cash in, get the slips, and, and go watch the race. Every racetrack for horse racing has that. In addition... There's a website that you may not be aware of if you're not into horse racing. It's called Twin Spires. And this is a website or an app on your phone that allows you to deposit money and bet on horse races at any type of racetrack all over the world. I was shocked. So most people think of horse racing when it comes to the Triple Crown, Kentucky Derby, the Belmont, and the Preakness. And that's how I got into Twin Spires, because I wanted to place bets on the horses years ago, and I found through the Kentucky Derby website, Twin Spires was like the number one spot. It was the sponsored, it was the sanctioned place to put bets in. And when I downloaded this app, I was blown away how many races were available to me at my fingertips at any point in time. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of races every month, and I was able to bet on them at any point in time. This was also a point in time where sports betting was not legal in the state I'm in, which is Pennsylvania. So they have the ability, they have some sort of loophole in the system, which I'm not able to really comprehend at the moment, or my research didn't take me that far. But horse racing has a, a niche sport, just like NASCAR would be. They've got the ability to bet at the track, and they've got the ability to bet online whenever the user wants to do that. And that's huge. Now, this research took me into checking out what Twin Spires pulls in. And I was able to find that in 2017, their net revenue 
was $256 million. Now, I know that technically isn't profit, but it's revenue. They're bringing in $256 million. That's from sports betting. That's from horse racing betting. Okay? That's unbelievable. So the whole point of bringing up Twin Spires and horse racing is to, once again, prove that the infrastructure is there. The idea is there for NASCAR to do something similar. So this leads me to my overall proposal. And it starts with NASCAR creating a standalone app, standalone website, just like Twin Spires is for horse racing, it would be NASCAR betting. Separate it from your, your NASCAR proper app, okay, where you get all of the, the news and information and all that. Make it separate. People have to download it on their own because the, the app itself is actually very, the, the current NASCAR app is very clunky. We want to separate from there. Make it transactional. I can deposit money to my account and NASCAR would take control of the books. They would basically set the books, set the lines for any of their races at any point in time. So you would start with the big three, obviously. You would start with the Cup Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Truck Series. Right now, it is very hard to bet on NASCAR. We have to sit around and wait for the lines to come out. They're not very available, especially for Xfinity and Trucks. So if NASCAR first has the, the types of bets that we've been talking about on this podcast, odds to win, odds to come in top five, top 10, head to head. But NASCAR would have the ability to come up with crazy props and really drive that home. You would do it for all three series. You would have the ability to follow along in the app. But eventually, I mean, if this really took off, you could start to bring in the, the Canaan East and West series and, and smaller hometown tracks. I mean, who knows? This, this could be just like horse racing is for Twin Spires for NASCAR. You could even partner up with one of the, the big guys in terms of online sports betting right now, FanDuel or DraftKings or you know one of those, if you wanted to. But I feel like starting a proprietary app would be the way to go. What that does is it gives you full control. You can change whatever you want. You can set the lines the way you want. You can be as creative as you want, set up as many promotions as you want, really drive the point home. Because at the end of the day, what you're trying to do here is create an ecosystem that lives off of this sport. I mean, everyone in this country talks about fantasy football, all right? If you don't think that that was really driven into everyone's subconscious by the NFL years and years and years ago, you're kidding yourself. You're too naive. And now it's part of the fabric of what we do. This probably wouldn't get to that level, but there's an opportunity to have this really take off and, and really be a household name. Now, with the addition of the app, which would allow any Joey Bag of Donuts to place a bet from his fat ass on his couch right before the race starts in Timbuktu, you want to promote going to the racetrack. So like I said before, just like horse tracks have the ability to place bets at the counter at every track, you would want to make that happen at every NASCAR track. So the way you promote that is 
you offer better odds for the gambler, the person making a bet in person. Okay, so if you are someone who has become really interested in, in gambling on NASCAR and it's been really fun for you, and now they're coming to a track near you, wow, why wouldn't I go and make some bets in person? Now you're paying for the ticket, you're getting in there, but now you're spending more of your money gambling on the sport and you're getting better odds because you're there in person and it just makes it an even better draw if you're NASCAR. So now you have the online app where someone can place a bet at any moment. You have the, the books at the racetrack offering some better odds, some more advantages for the gamblers there. What does this do? This is going to give NASCAR the ability to reach people outside of their typical fan base. How many times have you seen people who don't give a shit about horse racing getting super excited because they won the Kentucky Derby bet that they put in or the Preakness bet or whatever it is. Those majors really stand out. It actually brings the case back up for NASCAR to really promote four races as their majors every year, but that's a conversation for a different day and a different podcast. The point being, you're going to reach more people. There's going to be more people, more eyeballs on the TV, more asses in the seats, and what does that do? It brings the sponsors back into the sport. It would eliminate the need for drivers to come to the table with a sponsor already in tow. It would bring it back to the old days where the driver can race, the marketing teams can go sign the sponsors because the sponsors want to be here again. It brings everything full circle, and now they're willing to pay top dollar to be on the front of Martin Truex's hood because they know that there are a lot more people watching than there were a few years ago before that this concept came into play. But there's one more thing. Because of all this, NASCAR has a huge pile of money after every year that they're pulling in from this gambling app, from people betting on NASCAR. The house always wins. We've heard that cliche. NASCAR would win in that situation, and now they're going to have a huge pile of money that they're going to be able to spread out as they wish. The thought being that they'd be able to help out these teams who are struggling to sign sponsors. If that were to ever happen again, you, you have that money. When we're listening to the radio hosts all week talk about, well, you can't just pull money out of thin air. Here's that money, guys. This is where you can get that money from. And give a transfusion of life into this sport. This is where it starts, and it's right under our noses. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm probably preaching to the choir. But to me, this makes all the sense in the world. Now, I mentioned the, the red tape and the things that I'm kind of glossing over uh, at the beginning of this rant, and I get that, but I feel like if you have this core plan, you can start to put things into motion and then the rest of it will start to fall into place as you go. So that's it. That's my plan. That's how Phil saves NASCAR. Hopefully someone out there is listening. I'll be happy to take all the credit 10 years from now when you know we look back and this is the thing that really brought everybody back to NASCAR. So that's just going to bring us to the, the final thing that I wanted to mention this week. We'll wrap it up with an actual bet and we've got the trucks going at the Canadian Tire Park this week, the road course. 
And I've been saying I love betting on the trucks. To me, it's really the most fun to watch on TV this year. They've been so great to watch and also bet on. So um, the, the lines are just unavailable right now because they're so hard to find. But I'll just mention, all year, I've been betting on one head-to-head matchup that has been just really awesome to see unfold week after week, and that is Brett Moffitt versus Stuart Friesen. Okay, At first, I felt like I was dominating. I've been taking Brett Moffitt nonstop, and you would think, like, oh, well, yeah, if Moffitt's been killing it. But in reality, Friesen gets him a lot. And they're a great head-to-head matchup. So when it's offered, I take it. And this week, I tend to favor Stuart Friesen here. One, because they're going to the Canadian Tire Park, and Stuart Friesen is Canadian. So he's got the hometown, the home country advantage on his side there. And also, I really don't know much about Brett Moffitt's road course abilities, but I would probably tend to go with Friesen just because he seems to do well in the, the races that are a little bit different. I mean, this year he won Eldora, so there's an example right there. So for the head-to-head matchup, if you're looking for something out of me this week, for the trucks, I'm going to take Stuart Friesen over Brett Moffitt. So that's going to do it for this episode, a little bit different episode. It was an off week. We try to make the best of it. Um, we will be back next week with predictions for the Labor Day weekend race, the Southern 500 at Darlington. So we'll see you then.